Psalm 126 is a psalm of joy. The psalmist starts out and says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were full of laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. What had happened that God's people could write that they were living out a dream almost. They were just laughing. They were so excited along the journey. If you're thinking about how far up the hill they would have been, Psalm 126, they were still in the steep climb of things, but yet at this point in the Psalms of walking uphill, they're shouting with joy. They're recalling laughter. Originally, this recalls a period in Israel's history where they had been in captivity for 70 years. The temple had been destroyed. The wall was busted up, torn down, but finally they were allowed to go home. But you think 70 years in captivity, that meant that many of the people who were coming back to Jerusalem for the first time were coming home for the first time. That's, a, that's an incredible thought, coming home for the first time. As we walk with Christ, we're looking forward to going home for the first time. And that's a wonderful day to look forward to. And that's one of a great many reasons why we can be filled with laughter on our journey, even when things might be difficult, even though we might be walking uphill, because we have a, a joy that's inexpressible, something that's beyond our dreams, beyond our imagination that we're looking forward to. So just as the Israelites were singing, we can sing, we can shout with joy. In this particular psalm, the joy is coming from restoration. Notice, when the Lord restored the fortunes, or another translation says, when, when he returned those who were captive to Zion. A joy that surpasses the circumstances of our life is a joy that comes from a realization that we once had a broken relationship that we could not repair. But the Father, by sending His Son, His only Son, to redeem us, has now restored us to Him. Our relationship is now whole through Jesus Christ. And that, above all reasons, is why we can rejoice. A joy that comes from restoration is a joy that should be at the center of our life. And as we talk about joy from this psalm, we certainly can't talk about all the aspects of joy, all the inhibitors of joy from our life. But what we can do is focus on what this author speaks of. And what he declares about joy. Notice, he says, Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Notice when others around us see restoration. When we've left the Lord, but we've returned to Him. Maybe we've lived even a lukewarm way of life, but then we rekindle our first love. People around us will notice and say, They're filled with joy. They may not have that same joy. They may not always realize where it comes from or desire it themselves, but there's something different. There's something distinct. And what was evident is that 
God's people were laughing, they were rejoicing, they were filled with joy because of what the Lord had done for them. What if our joy is so evident to people that they can't help but say, now, they're rejoicing simply because it comes from the Lord. They might even know trials that we're going through. They might know how difficult our circumstances are. Yet, we continue to serve. Yet, we continue to treat people with kindness. We might even be sorrowful. We might even mourn. Yet, in our sorrow, we still reach out with gentleness. And we still have an encouraging word for others. And they too can say, that only comes from the Lord. That's not because of their circumstance. And that's really one of the most powerful testimonies of a life lived consistently with the Lord is being able to rejoice in their circumstances and other people noticing where true joy comes from. The Lord, then the author says, has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Notice the nations are declaring, look, only the Lord can do this. And they certainly did declare that when the Israelites were brought back from Babylon to Jerusalem, the nations declared only the Lord can do this. And now God's people collectively are saying, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So this is a joy that comes from restoration. This is something that only the Lord can do. And this is something that those who perhaps are not followers of Christ will notice within us, his people, if collectively we are a joyful people. The sign outside a church once said, if you're joyful in the Lord, at least inform your face. And we have a tendency, I think, sometimes to stifle it, to hide it, to keep it down. There's no reason to. We can rejoice like David rejoiced. We can, with Paul and Silas at midnight, sing songs of joy, even though the trials are deep. There is reason to rejoice. Restore our fortunes, Lord, the psalmist continues, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Two types of joy that the psalmist sings about in the latter portion of this psalm. One, he says, is a joy that comes from streams in the Negev. Notice he says, restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Have you seen places in the desert where it looks like a river might flow, but it's as dry as it can possibly get? All of a sudden, rains come. All it takes in West Texas is about an hour of a good rain and a wash that looked just as dry as could be is all of a sudden flowing with streams of water. That's an unexpected blessing. That's a stream in the negative. A stream in the desert is something where you can't help but say, that's the Lord. He accomplished that. And so when unexpected blessings come, maybe the timing is unexpected. Maybe the way things work out are unexpected. We just simply say, Thank you, Lord. And we rejoice in that blessing. Now he says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What are we sowing? Notice the last few verses. 
talk about sowing and then reaping. Joy comes from intentional sowing in our life where we will reap a harvest that we can rejoice in. If we sow towards things that are material, if we try to escape pain by simply dulling it or distracting ourselves, we'll not reap true joy from that sowing. But if we intentionally sow the Word of God in our life, perhaps we intentionally sow the Word of God in the lives of our children, we will receive a harvest of joy from that. And that's really the best type of joy. It's long-lasting. It takes intentional effort. But anything worth rejoicing in is worth intentional effort. And there's even greater joy in that. As we rejoice from the unexpected, as we rejoice from what we've planted, let's give the Lord credit. Let's acknowledge He is the one that the harvest comes from. It's not about our planting, although it requires our participation. He is the one who causes it to increase. As a result, then, joy comes from restoration or relationship. And finally, as you look at the psalm in its entirety, you notice that the first half deals with things that have happened in the past. You have done this, and we've rejoiced. Then the second half has to do with things that will take place, future fulfillment. The question we're left with then is, how do we walk presently with joy? I think the answer that this psalm gives is to look back on what the Lord has done, rejoice in it, rejoice in Him for restoring us, for bringing us back. And there's so many reasons to rejoice in what he has done for us in the past and then think about with expectant eyes what he will accomplish in the future especially as we began thinking about the destination being restored or going home to a place we've never been before those who walked uphill to jerusalem every year yeah they'd been there before time and time again and so they knew a little bit more of what to expect but Imagine us, pilgrims, walking to a place we've never been before and how glorious that's going to be. What a wonderful expectation. And so we can think about the future fulfillment of blessings that the Lord has in store for us. And with the future hope before us and the acknowledgement of what's been done for us in the past, we can present in the moment have every reason to rejoice regardless of how difficult the situation is and so this psalm of joy might seem quite simple at first glance it's one of those psalms that i've read a bunch and just thought well that's kind of nice not much going on there but if you stop to reflect there are some deep lessons to be learned and I hope that I've just kind of gotten you started on what this psalm could mean to you. 
And what you can do on your own is to make this psalm apply specifically to your life. Talk about situations that the Lord has restored or redeemed in your own life and why you can rejoice with laughter as you walk in the journey together with others. So think about what he's done in the past and then just contemplate what he will do in the future. The unexpected blessings that might be yours. And then what you can do presently to sow so that you will be able to reap a harvest of joy, not only in eternity, but, but in the here and now. And perhaps replace the words of the psalm with your own words, thinking about what he has done, what he will do, and why that can transform our face, transform our outlook, transform our attitude as we walk uphill. Yes, the journey's hard, and yes, we're still walking uphill, but we have so many reasons to rejoice as we walk with the Lord. That's Psalm 126, a psalm of joy, and we'll look forward to Psalm 127 next time together.